Callie Kindred is a Badlands Circuit cowgirl with four generations of family history in ranching and raising high-quality performance horses. Her family owns TR Dashing Badger, who we all know as Dolly, and they now stand her full brother, TR Illuminator Cash. Callie is a Badlands Circuit qualifier in barrel racing, and her experiences in a real-world ranching family make her down-to-earth and humble about her successes. From competing on the rodeo road to raising horses, from running a business to standing a stud and selling embryos, we cover just about every topic you could hope for. This week's episode is brought to you by the REM mask from Expert Equine. Have you ever tried to sleep with the lights on? The lighting at arenas and event centers can make it hard for your horse to rest well and perform well. Help your horse today by visiting expertequine.com. That's X-P-E-R-T equine.com. Stay tuned to learn more at the commercial break. All right, Callie, we're glad to have you. This is The Money Barrel. One of our goals this year is to touch base with a cowgirl from every circuit, and we're getting the opportunity to talk to Callie Kindred from the Badlands today, and I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, and like I said, I don't know if I'm really qualified to be on with the list of people that you have for like winners and people that have created such big programs but um, I love listening to your podcast and I'm excited to be on. Well thank you and I think you are more than qualified. Um, You know one of the reasons not just the reason obviously you've competed and been successful yourself but you and your family and the Thomas Ranch have just such a big name in the industry and you've done everything from breeding to competing to studs to everything so I'm excited to talk about a little bit of everything really so yeah why don't we um I guess just start tell us a little bit about the Thomas Ranch and your background and how you even got into the barrel horse side of things okay um the Thomas Ranch is actually um, probably more of a cattle. We have a purebred seed stock operation. We sell um, a lot of bulls every year and um, go to a few shows, sell some show heifers and stuff like that. But um, my grandpa has always been really into the horses. The horse breeding program was his. And so that is kind of what has kept us in the horse deal. Um, and I've been thinking back on this since you kind of told me what we were going to talk about and just thinking on my story, how did I get into barrel racing? And it is probably not the story that, like, I listened to Jill's interview for her podcast, Jill Moody and Brittany Posey, and, you know, you hear stories about these horse crazy little girls that couldn't drop it and had to have a horse. And my story is a lot different than that. I grew up doing it, and I kind of did it because that's what we were doing and that's what my big sister was doing and she was really into it um she loved the barrel horses and her and my grandpa had a really big connection over it they would go to barrel racing events and they would go horse shopping together do all kinds of stuff like that um and so I just kind of did it because she was doing it and I guess Looking back, I realized that I probably had too much horse for what I needed at the time. So I was like this nine, 10 year old girl 
going out and riding these barrel horses that acted like barrel horses and it really wasn't that enjoyable I think that's why I didn't love it so much um so but I, I it wasn't that I didn't like it I liked it I just didn't love it like she did mm-hmm. um but in 2001 she was my sister Taylor was killed in a car accident and I it was a hard time for my family for my grandparents my parents um, Jill was a really big part of Taylor's life. And so it was a hard time for everybody. And um, I think anybody who has horses knows what a horse can do for you in hard times. So it kind of became a escape for me, I guess. And then I was left with these horses that she had. Um, and I was lucky enough to get to ride them. And the one horse, Flip, he was awesome. She had won a bunch of stuff on him. And he just ended up, I think he was a lot of horse, and I don't think anyone thought it was going to go very good, but he ended up just taking care of me, and we had a really good year, and then I was kind of hooked, I guess. And uh, after that, for state finals that year, he got really sick. Um, you had to have surgery, and so I had to come up with a horse to ride for 4-H state finals, which in South Dakota is a big deal. Um, I was... 11 and Jill Moody had a six-year-old Mr. Illuminator. She was kind of the start of the Mr. Illuminator uh, program for us, which is what Dolly is, um, that she had been doing well on. She made the finals honor at the BFA. She won the five-state maturity honor that year. And I guess my grandpa Jill decided that I was going to ride the six-year-old horse at state finals. <laughs> and so I went and practiced a couple times and went good. Jill was really supportive, threw me the reins. We ended up placing in the top four at the finals that year. Um, And then after that, Jill literally gave me the saddle that she won on her at five states, handed the horse over to me. And that winter, I went with her a little bit and ran her at some maturities. And then the next summer, she was basically my horse. We started her on the poles. She turned out to be an amazing pole horse. I just, I won a bunch on her. And uh, lucky or not for Jill, she was stuck with me after that because <laughs> she was my teacher and my trainer. Uh, my parents, aren't they weren't really into the horses that much. I mean, they supported me and helped me, but Jill was definitely the barrel racing mom. And so from there on, I kind of spent probably at least half of all my summers with Jill. And I got to go with her, and it was just it was a really good uh, learning experience. I got to ride a ton of horses while I was there. And I guess that was kind of the first way I got hooked on it. Um, After that, I went to college. I college rodeoed at SDSU um, in South Dakota, and I did pretty well while I was there. Made college finals a couple times. And then I decided to transfer to Kansas State, and uh, I was going to livestock judge. And the bad thing was I was a transfer, and even though it had nothing to do with rodeo, I had to sit out three college rodeos so I missed the first three out of four I had a Frenchman's guy mayor at the time I went to the next one did good and then um, the next semester your junior year is when you start livestock judging so I had to miss a bunch of rodeos for that finished the year went fine didn't make college finals next my senior year um, same thing, that, that's the semester when you're finishing livestock judging, so I missed like half the rodeos. 
Um, but I still had a decent chance at making college finals, and I was excited because my last semester, I was just going to be on the rodeo. So April came around, and I went home for a family bull sale because I knew I, I had never missed a bull sale, and I knew I was going to miss a rodeo for that, but I, it was fine. Well, South Dakota weather came up, and we had to postpone the bull sale, and so I missed. The, I cannot get back. I missed the college rodeo. Um, supposed to go the next week. Missed the next college rodeo because the bull sale gets postponed again, and the weather has not let up. And postpone it again, and I'm going to miss another college rodeo. And that was like literally the point where I was just like, "Okay, I'm finishing college. I'm going home to help on the ranch." I'm done rodeoing. This is the end of my rodeo career. I called my rodeo coach. I mean, he was disappointed, but he understood. And before I graduated in May, I had my mare lined up to go get bread or well, to get an embryo out of her. I had her leased out for the summer and I had my real horse sold. (laughs) (laughs) And I just thought I was done with that chapter of my life and rodeo was over and Um, I guess it was God's timing because I had a few horses. My grandpa had a few horses at home that Jill had been riding. And uh, I knew that I needed to sell them or do something with them. They were too nice to sit around. So I planned on going to some local stuff with them, hopefully selling them, um, finding them a good home. I always had enjoyed that part of it. And then I had this one other horse that I had with me at college, and it was a full brother to Dolly uh, Gelding. And I could not keep him sound but when I did have him sound on a couple occasions he had went um I went to like some barrel bashes which were kind of the big thing Mm -hmm. then I went to like lazy e um there was one in Topeka and he had done like exceptionally like placed in the 1d ran against like some really nice horses um Emily Miller at the time was like you knew where you were kind of um so I knew that he had the potential but I just didn't know how to keep him sound. So I ended up taking him to get an MRI. They told me that he was basically done, was never probably going to compete, wouldn't be able to keep him sound. And for whatever reason, I decided to take him home, turn him out. I caught some slack about it. I had some comments of, why do you have this gelding around? He can't do anything. Take him to the cell barn or do something with him. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I just turned him out and left him alone. And as the year went on, I would drive by him and he would just be out there playing, bucking. He was always really steady, so he'd chase the other horses around. And it was like a year went by and I was like, okay, if you can do this, then you can try to run barrels again. Right. (laughs) So I take him, I was really cautious. I, because I just had a feeling if I tried to get him in shape or I tried to shoe him or change anything, it wasn't going to be good. So I did not have him ready, but I took him to this little jackpot and he wins it and it was like 50 head it was not a big deal but the next week or two I take him back to the same place and he like daylights everyone was like the only horse in the 1d and I think maybe like one horse in the 2d and I was like okay well maybe you'll stay sound I'm gonna enter him in the slot race in South Dakota enter him Uh, it wasn't like a big it was like 250 dollars to enter or something but it was a good facility in South Dakota. You knew the good horses there. You kind of, same thing. You knew where you were going to be when it got over. And he wins the slot race. And 
this is where God's timing definitely came in, I would say, and the Dolly connection started paying off. Um, Crystal Nichols had purchased the first Dolly embryo from us. And Jana Bean had just made the finals on, I think it was He's a Buglio, the Shawnee Buglio gelding. Yeah. And Crystal texted me and said, hey, I think Jana probably is going to need a backup horse for the NFR. Do you know of anything? And I, this is me being 20-some years old and very naive. I was like, well, yeah, I have this full brother to Dolly. I mean, I think, surely, he's ready for the NFR. <laughs> and I don't know what Crystal said to Jana or how the stars aligned, but Jana agreed to take him or well to try him if I could get him to the WPRA finals and that was obviously a huge stretch for me at the time I was not planning on really venturing out of South Dakota yeah but it worked out perfectly because we had consigned the first Dolly baby which was a dash to fame stud um to the Texas best sale which was being held with WPRA finals so me and my grandpa decided what the heck we'll just take DJ and go down there, and we I bo- we both knew it was going to be a big part of trying to prove Dolly and our program is if we could get this full brother in the right hands and get him proven. Yeah. So we just, I guess, took a leap of faith, went down there, met a ton of people. Um, DJ worked phenomenally for me and for Jana, and she ended up taking him to the NFR, and... If it would have been anyone else besides Jana, the story probably would have went a lot different. But Jana, for whatever reason, kept encouraging me to come down there and run him. And she's like, I'll, I'll keep him in shape for you. I'll take him to the vet for you. You can fly home and help at the ranch when you need to. Just come and enjoy your horse. And I, that was kind of the start of it. I went down and started rodeoing with her. And she told me what I needed to do to get into like San Antonio, make circuit finals, that kind of stuff. She basically made the plan for me, and I just followed it, and the horse followed it, and that was, I guess, how I got hooked on rodeoing again. (laughs) That's crazy. You go from not liking it, I mean, really, your family (laughs) going through, you know, something awful, losing your sister, and loving it, and then quitting it, and now all of a sudden you're running at San Antonio and the winter rodeos and you were like rodeoing full time again. Yeah, it was definitely an unexpected turn of events. That's so crazy. And so this was DJ, right? Yep. That's the full brother. And then he's also the full brother to your stud, um, Muffin as well, right? Yep. So you had the, is there any more full siblings or was it just the three? Just those Three. There was actually a big gap in there. Um, there's like six years, I think, between DJ and Dolly. And actually, the reason why was because we had actually sold the mare, okay. um, Dolly's mom. And uh, Dolly had, she made the top 20, but not made the finals yet. And the guy who owned the mare, I guess, had no idea and called my grandpa and asked if he wanted to buy her back. He needed some money, and I like I really think the price was like eight hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! And so we got her back, and it was really lucky that we got DJ and Muffin because uh, the stud, Mister Illuminator, was really old at the time, and he, he never did free semen. Um, so it was 
definitely by chance that we got those two. So going back just a little bit, so that horse that um, you were talking about that Jill loaned you after your sister passed away and you started riding with her more, was that where the Mr. Illuminator like came into your guys's life and when you chose to breed uh, Dolly and DJ and Muffin's dam to him? Yeah, so my grandpa actually bought part of Mr. Illuminator. Oh, okay. And I, he owned him for quite a while. I think Daisy was the name of that horse. I actually still have her. She's the babysitter of my little weanlings. Oh, and I love takes it. takes care of them. Um, but I think she was probably the first one that Jill ever rode. And then Jill had a bunch of them. And so, yeah, I... I knew, like I said, I knew that proving DJ and Muffin was going to be a big part of helping Dolly because a lot of people thought she was kind of a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. But people in South Dakota, I they did know about Mr. Lumander because there was quite a few nice ones going. But we knew that other people, I guess, didn't know that part of the story. Wow. that's that. It's so crazy. And this is why I love doing the podcast, just to learn how, like, everything kind of ties together and, you know, people probably hadn't, didn't know that, like, you weren't even really supposed to be rodeoing. Like, you were going to sell everything. <laughs> it just so <laughs> happened you didn't sell them. And here you are. Yes. How long did you get to go rodeo? I mean, just today on Facebook, um, I think I watched the memory you shared running Muffin at San Antonio. And I know you've made circuit finals. Um, how long were you able to... In, enjoy those horses on the rodeo trail yourself uh <laughs> not as long as I would have liked to probably um DJ so he had he had some issues with the front foot always it, he actually stuck a nail on his foot when I was in college and when we did the MRI it showed that basically a whole bunch of his coffin joint had been like removed and oh. it was gone I, I mean I could even tell looking at the MRI and I didn't know what I was looking at that it wasn't good and so I had some issues with trying to keep him going and stuff um and I, I wasn't gonna rodeo just to rodeo I guess mm-hmm. so I didn't have enough other horses I didn't I had muffin and he was pretty nice but we also had breeding season we had all that stuff to do with him and even when I was rodeoing like I said I Jana definitely made it possible for me because I was flying home to help with stuff. And like one year, um, Muffin made the finals at Austin, but I didn't even go back down because we were picturing bulls. And so I, I don't know. I always say if I had the horse again, I would probably go, but I don't know if I actually would because we just, there's a lot of stuff to take care of at the ranch and things like that. Yeah, so when you're done rodeoing, I mean, I know you already said you were going to go back home. Is that, I mean, that's what you are now doing, right? Helping manage the ranch. You guys have a a big herd of cattle and bulls, and I know you have sales going on and semen sale today and everything like that. (laughs) Is that what you got, you're mainly running now? Yeah, actually, um, I got married to Clint Kindred, and they have a big commercial ranch, West River. And so we actually live out here. So all we did was really add another ranch to (laughs) what I'm trying to do. And we actually brought all the horses out here, which has been great because there's a lot more horse events out here. The weather's a lot nice. It's a lot more horse friendly. Um, But I still go back to 
my parents, my grandparents and help. I mean, it's kind of 50, 50 where I'm at. And then I do like a lot of the social media and stuff. So all I really did was add another ranch to try to help out at and now a baby and another baby on the way. So rodeoing is not very realistic, I guess for me at this point. (laughs) Life, life gets busy fast, especially when you added kids. Yes. So Tell us a little bit about the Dolly story. Obviously, we had Jill on and heard her side of things, but how was that having a horse like that under Jill and watching their success? I know you were probably still pretty young when all that happened, but I mean, tell us what like Dolly means and what she did for your your program. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was huge, and that's what kind of put us on the map. Um, I was really young at the time. I was I was in high school, I guess. Um, me and Jill were actually talking about it the other day because I I was lucky. I got to go with her like my senior year of high school. I went out to the NFR with her the whole time. Um, I got to meet obviously a ton of people there. I got to ride in the Thomas and Mac, do all kinds of cool things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of start the connections. Um, Dolly definitely did that for me. And then Jill um, is a great teacher, uh, and she has she puts a lot of faith in people. She always tells you you can't mess them up, and if you can, her training wasn't very good. And she's a big like, well, ride this horse, ride this horse, ride. You need to know what it feels like. So I had I got to ride Dolly. I knew what the feel of it was, and I think that can you know just getting to ride a horse like that. And getting to feel what it feels like to ride a horse like that is big. I mean, that's something that a lot of people never get to do. So it's a big learning lesson um, that definitely helped me and gave me an advantage, I feel like. And then, you know, as far as the breeding thing, uh, like I said, she definitely put our program on the map. And my grandpa kind of started... Jill's not really into breeding, but my grandpa was very into breeding. That was always his plan. You know, what are we going to do with her when she's done competing? What's our plans with her? And he kind of made all those arrangements, got her lined up to go to Royal Vista, did some embryo work. And really at the time, I I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I was pretty young, but I feel like it was pretty early on in the game to be doing embryos and stuff like that. So yeah. he really did a lot of research and figured out and made plans for that and made kind of made all that happen. So your grandpa was the main one in charge of managing her embryos or who they sold to and the stallions and such? Yeah, the first year, um, Jill kind of, him and Jill decided to breed her to Dash to Fame. And I think they got twins one time and both embryos ended up taking and then they did her the same way another time. So there was three of them. And then the next year, my grandpa decided, you know, that we needed to do something to pay the bills and help pay for this endeavor. So he sold two embryos. One was to Crystal Nichols and one was to Judd Little. And they both ended up being great. And I I think it worked out well the way he did. I mean, a lot of people weren't buying embryos at the time and it was a big investment. So it kind of kept it exclusive. Mm-hmm. And he had to approve the stallion, so he still had control of that. 
I know like Crystal will tell you that she bugged him for a long time and was, you know, working on convincing him about Shawnee Buglio because at the time he was new on the scene and hadn't, you know, done a lot. So she was sending him all this information and making sure that my grandpa would let her breed Dolly to Shawnee Buglio. And so it was, he really, he did a lot of research. He got her to Royal Vista, which was great. They took amazing care of her when she was there. She loved it there. And so that's kind of how that part of it all started. That's so cool. And it, I mean, now, especially, you know, embryo transfer is so common now. Um, we, we just have so much more access to her genetics through all of her great foals and all the studs that are out of her and everything. And it's just so cool to see that next generation win and, you know, her, her legacy really is just going to keep continuing to pass on. Yeah, it's been exciting watching the Colts. I mean, they did obviously what we hoped for, but mm-hmm. they've probably far exceeded all of our expectations, and there's still some more coming up, so that's exciting. And actually, this year, just I'm I'm just starting this year to try to do a little bit of embryo work on some of the daughters. So we're hoping that that will carry through and that they'll be hopefully great producers too did you guys keep any of her foals for yourself oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have a, a whole a whole little herd of them what do you guys have Not a whole lot of them but um my grandpa and jill i think that's why they get along so good is because neither one of them likes selling horses <laughs> i am the opposite i'm a business person so i have to make it add up in my head but sometimes my grandpa gets a little touchy with me about all the horses that I sell but <laughs> that's um, so funny we have like our oldest we do have a dash to fame there was only one uh mare out of those first three dash to fames we kept her and then um this year I sent uh Judge Cashmere and a streak in six that we're gonna start doing a little bit of breeding and stuff like that with them so hopefully we're probably behind the eight ball. I wish I would have done it sooner, but I was trying to spend my money on still getting, you know, some colts out of Dolly and her mom, and they're both pretty old now, so it's that's been a large financial commitment, so we kind of focused our money towards that, yeah. but now it's kind of time to look at the next part of our program. Have you ever tried to sleep with the lights on? Have you ever trained for an event, arrive ready to perform, but one element is very different from home? The lights stay on all night long. The absence of dark for extended period of times cause sleep deprivation in horses and people. We all know how we start to feel without enough sleep. Imagine your horse not sleeping in those brightly lit stall barns for days on end, but still expected to be calm and perform at his very best. Sleep deprivation can lead to extreme worry and prevents the mind and body from the natural healing and rejuvenation experienced after a good night's rest. There is an inexpensive solution. The REM mask from Expert Equine blocks blue light rays, helping horses achieve sleep in a stressful setting, such as a big overnight barrel race where the lights stay on. The REM mask is highly effective and easy to use. Visit XPERTEquine.com or ask to find them at your favorite Western retailer. I remember seeing that picture of that streak in six. That is so cool. Like, that is some old school bloodlines brought up to Dolly. Like, that's really exciting. 
we're really excited about her. And she's only uh, just turned three. So we're just, all we're going to do hopefully is get a couple embryos out of her and then she's going back into training and hopefully we'll see some big stuff out of her. I hope we'll see. So cool. That's exciting. What are some of your favorite Dolly stories or like highlights of her foals? That was really special to, to your family. Oh, uh, like some of the favorite colts you mean? Mm-hmm. Birdie, I would say definitely um, Lady Bird, the one that's out of, she's a filly out of Shawnee Bug Leo, the one that kind of Squires rode. She's super nice. Um, she was one of the first ones to really get everyone's attention. Um, I don't know if you've, like, seen her runs or not, but she's oh, yes. just a little mare, and she never looks like she's going that fast, and it just looks effortless, and then her and Kenna would just shut the clock off, and so she was really fun to watch. She was one of the first Dolly babies to run, right? Was was she out of that first cross? The first year was the three Dash to Fames. Yep. Um, the one that we kept, which I don't really do fraternities or anything like that, so I didn't do a lot with her. Um, one that Isabella Quarter Horses bought, and they had him as a stud. Um, Kay did actually pretty, she did pretty good on him as a fraternity horse. Um, and then Jana Bean actually ended up, she tried to buy the one on the Texas best sale, didn't get it bought. And so I ended up selling her the other one and she had him and she won money at rodeos on him and stuff like that. Um, they gelded him and she sold him. But then the next, uh, bull crop was birdie with Kenneth Squires and then Cassie Mallory had, that dash to heaven. He, actually, I feel like no one remembers him, but he did win like $35,000, as a security horse. He was pretty nice. Yeah, so many. And then, I mean, still just last year, Molly's, and they've just been so fun to watch. Yeah, the one of Molly's was super fun, and he's, he's just a freak. So <laughs> it's fun to watch him and see all the difference you know he's a lot different than birdie but the different crosses it's kind of, i mean it's looking like right now whether it was shawnee buglio or dash to heaven or any streak of flying like it's been fun to see that lots of different studs have crossed well on her so you had that experience with dolly and the big time broodmare and the maternal side and then you also had the stud um tr illuminator cash which is muffin um how has it been, like, in that aspect of the breeding world, owning the full brother and, like, kind of what are the differences that you've seen? You know, the big time broodmare with Dolly, but then now also standing a stud to the public that's a lot more easily accessible than, you know, buying embryos. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in mare power. I think it's... I wouldn't even say I think it's equally important. I'd say I think it's more important. Um, a lot of people don't really know the story about Dolly's mom, um, but the reason why I guess I kept Muffin a stud and feel like he's worthy of being a stud is because that mare, in my opinion, I guess she didn't go and win. She never got competed on her road, but she is probably equally as impressive, in my opinion, because she's raised over a million dollars worth of babies and she's worked on different studs and you know mm -hmm. it hasn't just been dolly so that's kind of why i felt like he was stud worthy but definitely a different game being in the stallion world and i've probably failed 
muffin as a stallion owner i would much rather own uh some high-powered mares and go that route but um the incentives you know have been great for the industry you've obviously seen what it's done to the barrel racing industry along with everyone else but it does put a lot of weight on the stallion owners and i guess i feel like it's made it i wouldn't say impossible but very hard for the little guy to try to compete with yeah um so i don't know we just when I first started uh, promoting him, I really tried and worked hard at it. And then I, I'm not going to lie, I just got really frustrated <laughs> and felt like a lot of people still didn't even know that I have a full brother to Dolly. I think a lot of people still don't know that there's a full brother to Dolly. Um, and like, honestly, when the really big incentives came out, like Pink Buckle and some of them that we missed out on, um, our numbers took like a big hit for outside mares getting bred and it has taken until just the last couple of years to get back to where we were mm-hmm. so i i'm excited honestly probably more excited than i have been about it in a while i think the new incentives like the diamond classic and the royal crown and even like blue collar breeders and some of that stuff has leveled the playing field a little bit and so i i i'm excited I, now there's getting to be close out there out of our stud and people are noticing them and breeding some more mares to him and so i'm kind of just at the point where here's our stud we really like him we hope you like him if you want to breed your mare great if you don't there's a million studs out there and there's every incentive whatever you want to do go you know that's kind of my outlook towards it we tried to put him into the incentives where it's either a one-time enrollment or no enrollments just because I feel like it's easier on the breeders and the people in our area. Honestly, that's probably more up their alleyway than really making a commitment to pay stuff in every single year. And then trying to make a big trip. Like we just, we live in South Dakota and it's not friendly for trying to ride your horses all year to go on big trips in April when your horses haven't been rode all winter like that kind of stuff, it's just not very realistic for most people up here. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's always why I like to ask because, I mean, I I have my own incentive, so I almost feel like it's backwards for me to say this, but there can almost be like too much of a good thing, and mm-hmm. I don't you know think people quite realize the pressure that it puts on the stud owners, but then you know people turn around and hope to get discounts and you know, cheaper fees and everything like that. But it's like, well, we we have to balance it out somewhere. Yeah, I think for sure it's, you know, some people can afford to put the stallions in all the incentives and do all that, yet give away a bunch of stud fees or discounted stud fees. And that's great. It allows people to get some nice bred horses and stuff like that. But some people, like I said, I am very business-minded, numbers-minded. Things in my in my business need to cash flow or else I don't like it. So for me, that's just not something that we're, we're not able to do it on that scale. Yeah. So, but I think some of the new ones coming out are really exciting. Like they're having more regional stuff. There's, I know even, uh, just like the last couple of months, some 
producers up here have been saying that they're going to have just like some high stakes races and stuff like that. So it's got, it's good because the incentives have made people find other ways to, to like, how can we put on a barrel race and make it worth it? So yeah, I think that's good. That's a great point. you know, especially because and we talk about it all the time, but you know, you don't have to go to everything, but there's like other really good opportunities. You just have to, you know, take advantage of them. And I, I love the barrel races up in your guys' region, but yeah, I don't know how you do it with the winners you have. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. We got a big storm fixing to come in right now. And it's supposed to be below zero and snow today until Friday, pretty much. So oh. it's not going to be fun. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so when, and you won on Muffin as well, tell us how he was when you ran him and were there similarities between him and DJ and what you felt from Dolly? Oh, for sure. Um, he, I actually was looking back just cause I got to thinking about stuff and, um, I saw like that first year when I took him down to WPRA finals, he actually like he placed in the warm they have the rodeo side plot like he placed in that he placed at quite a few bigger rodeos he just never really got he was behind when I got home from college Jill did um fraternity him just a little bit but she wasn't really into the stud thing she didn't really have anywhere to keep him um it just wasn't really ideal he's really good stud actually he's way better behaved than my gelding um but everyone who sees him run or sees him in person him and dolly look the same run the same they have the same style they're about the same size and then dj is actually like huge ginormous and he did have that same style but he was i mean he's a bigger horse so he did i mean he couldn't turn and do some of the things that muffin and dolly did but he he was really fast um but all three of them really have a lot of similarities and they all want to work the best thing about them probably is that i would say they are definitely rodeo horses they will go work on any kind of ground they'll stand up they don't care about the setup like if there's a rodeo with a tough setup that's where i want to take my horses because i feel like they're going to work i know they're going to work they don't need exhibitions. They don't need me to show them where the barrels are. They know their job. Yeah. <laughs> was on Jill's podcast, you know, she told us how Dolly was a little bit difficult. Like, she had to kind of <laughs> overcome some of her quirks. Um, you know, was that similar? And I guess being around the siblings, did that kind of help you have a little bit more success with the other brothers? Yeah, um, I think, like, me and Jill probably have a lot of generalizations about illuminators in general, um, and that helps just when you're getting them started. Like, even a lot of people have, they'll message me about the Dolly Babies or something, and usually my advice to them is, like, quit picking on them and just go faster. Like, <laughs> just go, because they just get so sick of it. Like, they want a job, show them their job, and they want to do it. The muffin cults are the same way, like, show them a job and they want to do it but do not like pick on that they don't want to lope circles in the arena for 30 minutes they don't want to go around the barrels 500 times they want to go ranch or be a ranch horse or be turned out in the pasture they don't probably fit the 
like, I'm going to stall you your whole life and just work you around the barrels. Like, they're not very happy and content <laughs> doing that. Um, the gelding is, is very quirky and he's kind of like dolly. Um, actually, the stud, like, Jill could attest to this and anyone who's been around him is just what he's like the most laid back horse ever does not care about anything oh that's so funny he's every like I remember when we took him to Waco that was the first time he'd really ever been hauled anywhere and like he did not leave a single shred of hay left in his stall (laughs) he'll eat everything you keep in front of him and he just does not care about anything he's doesn't care if he has a friend if he doesn't have a friend he's just pretty laid back he actually lives down in Texas now with some of my like distant family and they've got two little girls that take care of him and love on him and they sometimes they send me pictures of him and stuff and I'm like let's don't forget he's a stud oh I <laughs> love that they just can do anything with him that's so cool so really I mean they probably fit in perfect to you know you did when you were college rodeoing and stuff they could just go do their jobs and you, you yeah. didn't really have to do a whole lot with them. Yeah, no, they work good. And I'm I'm excited for the Muffin Colts. And the people up here, you know, there's not very many that have been to the arena or old enough so far, but they're really enjoying them because you can rope on them, you can ranch on them. They, they definitely know their job when it comes time to run barrels. Like people will say, oh, I can't believe how fast their heart's beating or how excited they get to run barrels. But then... You can, like I said, you can rope on them. They'll score like a rock. You can do whatever you want on them. And they, it's a good fit for what a lot of people up here want out of the horse. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you said you got to ride Dolly, did you ever get to compete on her? Yes, I did. How, how <laughs> I was that? Had, um, it was good. I actually had rode her a bunch like just around the place whether it was to exercise or whatever and then jill would say oh take her around the barrels and you're kind of like uh no i don't want to <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I don't need to i'm, I'm not, i don't want to mess her up and she'd be like just do it and so i would do that and then um the first time that i competed on her was when i made college finals um my grandpa and my dad everyone kind of wanted me to run her i don't know if I would say I wanted to I don't it was just a lot of pressure and like I said I had that Frenchman's guy mayor who's actually from Carissa Shear and she was really nice I had a ton of confidence in that mayor um so it was kind of a hard place because I wanted to stay on my horse you know mm-hmm. and but they wanted me to run her so I did run her um the first round at college finals I made two practice runs on her before that. I think I ran her at state MDHA finals and then I ran her at, uh, an SDRA rodeo in South Dakota. And then we went to college finals and, uh, Sydney Blanchard won the first round. It was the year that she made the NFR, I think her first year. Uh, and I got second on Dolly and then the second round, <laughs> I wanted to do the same thing and just go make a nice, smooth run but Jill thought that I should go a little faster because she didn't think I should get second (laughs) and (laughs) I tried to go faster and 
she was not lying when she said the faster you go, the harder she turns. And I took, I took the first barrel, but she made like a beautiful run. Um, and college finals, you know, is all an average. So it ended up working out fine because if I would have done good that round, Jill was going to have to take my Frenchman's guy mare, which she did not really like. And she was going to have to run her. I think, I think it was like at Cheyenne and some of them, which wouldn't have really been her forte. So it was fine. I ended up running my Frenchman's guy the next round. Jill ended up taking Dolly and going back out on the rodeo trail. And there, I mean, there was a lot of people that said, why doesn't Callie ride Dolly? Why doesn't she college rodeo on her? Why doesn't, you know, why wouldn't you be going? But honestly, it would have been, it, it, me and Jill have talked about it, and I felt like it would have been such a waste. Her and Dolly were a team, and they already had their, you know, they already had things figured out. Jill was in a position where she could go rodeo full-time. I was in college, and online school wasn't really that much of a thing back then, and it was just, Jill and Dolly needed to go through Jill and Dolly and keep winning like they've been winning. And I had a perfectly fine horse for what I was doing. So that was that. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a really like admirable decision that your family made because that would be hard. I mean, you guys own this phenomenal horse and you're obviously very competitive and very handy and able to, you know, ride her, but to let her go, you know, try to succeed and accomplish as much as she could like I think that that's a really admirable choice you guys made for her career thanks yeah I mean it seemed honestly like an easy choice at the time and like you know how it is with when Dolly first started going I was what probably 16 Mm -hmm. and so like it takes a whole year just to try to get into those rodeos which Jill had already done and accomplished and they were already, you know, that um, people look back in history and remember Jill and Dolly. So I think that was a team that was meant to be. I would not have wanted to take that away. I love that. Another thank you to Callie for spending some time with us. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. If you haven't checked out our friends and partners at BarrelRacing.com, do so today and use the code MONEYBARREL15 to claim your discount for listeners of the Money Barrel. Big shout out to this week's sponsor, the REM Mask from Expert Equine. Don't let the bright lights at event stall barns slow you and your horse down. Visit XPERTEquine.com today to learn more about what the REM Mask can do for you and your program. All right, everyone, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.